So what we've been doing with the podcast, the focus has really been doing distillery bios and just talking to them about their story. But we realized that the picture that we're painting of the industry, especially here in Washington, wouldn't be complete without other um, industry contributors. So we went and we actually talked to Scott Wetzel of Fresh Bread Designs. He's done a ton of design work for distilleries and breweries and actually um, local cigar companies. Um, we actually met him just a couple weeks after we started the Instagram page. He actually contacted us and was like, hey, I want to know what you're working on because I love, I love distilling. And so we had yeah. some beers with him in Everett. Um, at a dive bar, yeah. uh, they did have local spirits and yeah. <laughs> somehow, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, so he's been a friend, and we just recently um, were able to sit down with him and um, interview him in a new space that he's setting up for a pub. Um, which, like the the podcast, will definitely talk about that. But. Yeah, the center uh, public house. Yeah, that, that's one thing with uh, we've come to realize. It seems obvious when you look into just below the, the shallow part of it is that the industry is you, you can't go into it as just a distiller and expect that you're going to be able to self-distribute and and design your own labels and do your your mash bills and your bottle design and, and all that you need help with you know many aspects of your business and so scott as we'll talk about is is there to help you create your brand create your logo the thing that everybody's going to recognize you by and he's done a really good job with that. Seems like every time we turn around, we find out that Scott's had his hand on. Yeah, he's know. done work just recently for Skip Rock, yeah. uh, Temple Distilling. Mm-hmm. We nerded out for a while on the Temple label yeah. uh, when we talked to them last time. And yeah. uh, um, he's done what San Juan cigars. Yeah. Um, what breweries has he done? Uh, Skookum, uh, White Wall. So yeah, there's there's several that I can't even remember right now. Yeah, but but it, yeah, every time we turn around, it's like, oh, this, Scott's done work on this. He's had his hand on that. So yeah, and he's usually well, really well connected too. So you know, um, with Temple, we didn't even know what they had started. And yeah. like when he started doing work with them, it was like, hey guys, I've, I tasted their gin. It's one that I'm probably the most excited to drink. Yeah, uh, I think you guys should look into them. So um, he's been a great connection, even just for us. Yeah, just for us to have. So yeah, so I mean, when you've got Scott working for you, he is on your side, and, and not just. Uh, your label design, but like you know, getting the word out about. He's you an advocate. Too. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was at the the release party with us at yeah. the temple. Well, yeah. not with us. Like, yeah. I was kind of surprised to actually see him see him there, which yeah. is fun. Yeah, definitely. So um, we talked to him for what about an hour and a half, yeah, <laughs> which least, is yeah. about an hour longer than normal with <laughs> yeah. uh, for a podcast. Yeah. But uh, you know, we've got that kind of distilled down. Look at you. Yep, <laughs> uh, we got that edited down to um, much less. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a fun time, and so it made it, made it easy to, to talk as long as we did. So, especially you, because you're a mouth, and Scott's a mouth. Let me get that. <laughs> as always, pour yourself a glass of your favorite locally crafted spirit, and enjoy. Do you want to know my past or do you want to know my present? <laughs> what, yeah, what <laughs> drove what drove you to starting fresh bread? What yeah, I, well, you know, I, I I was always into art when I was when I was a kid, um, and and everybody my whole life people said it wasn't gonna you know that's not, you can't make a living off of art and so um, so then when I went to went to college um, I didn't major in art at first um, realized pretty quickly after a couple of years that I didn't fit anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
started taking some art classes and just fell in love with the people and the, and the process and and the foundations of, of design and um, and just got really into it. And so when I when I graduated from college, I worked retail for a lot of years because art degree and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, that's uh, so. That's what that's what I did. But eventually, um, a sign shop gave me gave me a chance to to sort of work there and, mm-hmm. and learn my chops and um, and yeah, so I wasn't in a, in a firm type. I wasn't a design firm. It was a sign shop. It was sort of blue collar, yeah. sort of rough around the edges, um, uh, real real basic, real repetitive. Uh, but but it got me to the point where you know I got really really interested in the details and really interested in making sure everything was was right because mm-hmm. when you're not working with a lot <laughs> you know yeah uh, the details matter and uh and really paying attention to like like dimension and, and the way things feel like the tactile feel like you're using materials and the way they feel and the way they, they the light bounces off and, and stuff that's the kind of things that the people don't notice that they notice right you right. know they're, they're, they don't go Oh yeah, this feels good. They don't. Yeah. They don't. At least I don't. You know, yeah. they typically just go, "Oh, that, that draws my eye in." And so people sometimes don't understand that that this is a kind of a vital in- industry, a vital uh, service to have. It's 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 art, art and art is psychology in a lot of ways. Like art to sell is psychology. Well, art in general is, is psychology, mm-hmm. but uh, especially when you're using it to to enhance a product because it. it the way it looks, the way it feels, um, if it if people people will subconsciously understand that it's a cheap product if it looks cheap and it feels cheap. Yeah. And you don't want people to, to walk away going, oh, my product is cheap. You want people to walk around, walk away going, oh, I got the best value I could possibly get. Yeah. And so that's why people will spend, you know, five dollars more than they were planning to, is because, well, this looks like a really good value. Exactly. Um, it's the reason why wine goes on sale for the price that it does because people go, oh, this is like a $20 bottle of wine. It's on sale for 12 bucks. Well, I'm going to get this one. It must be the best. Yeah. <laughs> this is the best value that I'm going to get. Yeah. People feel the same way about art. And um, it's, a little bit of, it's a little bit of psychology. Like you're, you're sort of playing with people's emotions and you're playing with people's desire to, to get the best possible thing that they can for the amount of money that they're spending. And it's, and it's a very real thing. They're, you know, it, you can have a really good product with a really ugly looking label or design or whatever mm-hmm. and and uh, that's going to actually give people an impression that will that will carry into yeah. the the taste the the smell you know everything else with, yeah. with it that you don't have control over yeah so. there's decades of research actually on that yeah. where they they did um, they did studies and experiments on people where they would show them the the shape of the bottle Mm-hmm. And uh, they would, well, first it would be a blind taste test, and, and they would say which one is, is best. It would be like a cheap brandy or something, two different brandies. They would taste them, and, and they, would, they would think that they tasted equal, and then they would show them the bottles. <laughs> not, not the label, but just the shape of the bottle. Uh-huh. And they would decide, then they would do blind taste tests, and one would, one would always go, they would always go for like the same one. It would be like, oh, this one's the best one. Because the, awesome. yeah. the bottle was, was great. And then they would switch them. They would switch the brandies. And then they would have them taste again. They would say, which one is the best? And they would, they would choose that bottle again. They'd go, oh, this one's the best one. Because your senses all sort of play together, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so if you have this great product, 
and you put it in a cheap bottle, a cheap looking bottle in a cheap looking package, people walk away going, oh, this, this must be cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't want to put, that's why, that's why people don't put $200 booze in, in like a plastic, you know, travel flask. <laughs> because people would look at it and go, well. Or a mason jar. Or, or a mason yeah. jar, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a time and place, I guess, for a mason jar. Yeah. Um, it's not but, my favorite but bring, thing. But it brings but to mind something completely different. Right, You're right. thinking backcountry, country bumpkin, yeah. stirring over Mason jar is yeah. perfect for, for, you know, if you want to sell a moonshine. Moonshine. You know? Yeah, yeah but, for, and for 20 bucks. Like, you're not going to be selling something in a, in a mason jar yeah, for, that's like, not your 40 bucks. Exactly, yeah. Like, I would say $25 is your top <laughs> yeah, on a mason <laughs> jar. Like, that's your, like, your top and yeah. mason jar price is $25. <laughs> because anything more than that, people are like... Okay, so whisk like moonshine and mayonnaise. That's, yeah. what, that's what I'm looking at here. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a new uh, new business. You know? yeah. Moonshine and mayonnaise. Hot dogs with mayonnaise and moonshine. <laughs> so, so you're working at the sign shop. Mm-hmm. And what was the next step? I got bored. <laughs> I was really. I, I was driving. I was. I was commuting three hours a day, round trip. And, um, and I got bored with what I was doing. Uh, the people I worked for were great. I actually still hang out with, with the, the owners of the shop. Um, you know, there's, there's probably about 45 or 50 people that actually work there. So a lot of those people are still there. I'm good, great friends with them. I still, I still crash their Christmas parties. <laughs> <laughs> I send, you know, if somebody's getting a sign done or whatever, I send, I send that business down to them as much as possible. Um, but... Uh, I got I got bored doing it. Um, I really wanted to branch out, and so um, one day my wife and I were talking, and she just goes, "Just do it. Just put in like two weeks and start freelancing full time." I, I didn't have any clients. Um, I had no clients. It's a big so step. Was, yeah, it's like just do it. Just just jump, and uh, and I did, and I didn't even know that I was going to get into the. Uh, the beverage industry. Um, I didn't know I was going to be doing distilleries and breweries and, and things like that. Um, I started doing, they called it the spray and pray where you just walk around, mm-hmm. like handing out your business cards to everybody, like knocking on every, every door, like every small business. And I was exhausted. I was cold calling like probably, probably 20 hours a week. Oh boy. Um, I was hitting like close to a, like hundred businesses some weeks, wow. just knocking on doors, like going down strip malls, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, bringing in a few hundred bucks a month, uh-huh. and um, it's a and lot I met, of sweat. yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of sweat, and and just what am I doing wrong? And I met with I met with this um, woman. Her name is her name is Cheryl Bracken, and she actually owns a design company called Paper Moxie, and they do like handmade cards, like invitations. And she um, she goes, "What are you doing?" I told her, and she goes, "Don't do that." She goes, "Find find your niche and, and hit it." And I was like, "Well." I don't know what my niche is. And she goes, well, what do you like? And I was like, well, and I, and I played music. So I was like, I like music, but I know there's no money in music. <laughs> Nobody in music has money. And I said, I, I like, I like craft beer and I like, I like whiskey. Yeah. Um, she goes, go for it. She goes, you know, I, they're having distilleries. Now this is like three and a half, three years ago. Uh-huh. Now, there's distilleries now in Washington. I think at the time there's maybe only 15 distilleries, uh-huh. so he just called them all. <laughs> <laughs> this will be quick. Like one yeah. afternoon. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one afternoon, and um, one of them said, "Hey, we need a poster." And so I went down. Um, sadly, they're not around anymore. Um, 
Project V. Oh yeah. Distillery and sausage company. Uh-huh. <laughs> good what booze, a man. They had great booze and good sausage. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> That's great. I would make these I would make like greyhounds with their vodka, so I'd make greyhounds with uh, and then make like sausage pizzas. <laughs> That's awesome. like that was like my that was like my jam for a little while. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and I'm not a vodka drinker, but I like theirs and yeah. so I did a poster and uh, so we really like this. Um, we can't get a hold of our designer. He moved out of state. Do you want to start doing some labels? And and I just hit it hard from there. Just nice. pursuing and still do that. Just pursue and pursue and pursue and um, try to make every label better than the next and try to outdo myself. Um, learning over and over again that it's not about outdoing other designers. It's about outdoing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because other designers do what other designers do. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting niche because your name, with only a very small amount of other people's names, comes up. Yeah. Because it's, it's we, so we always ask, you know, who who designed your label? Yeah. And it's it's either um, Scott Wetzel from Fresh Bread Designs. Yeah. Or very very small amount yeah. of other people. Dave you know? or yeah yeah Dave Cole yeah. And, and yeah I mean and. And there's some firms that do it, but as yeah. far as freelancers go, there's not a lot yeah. of freelancers. And there's maybe only like two or three firms that really like know it. But here's the difference between what I do and what other and what other designers who aren't in this niche do is I, I have to understand that there's some federal hoops that we mm-hmm. jump through. And if nobody's ever done that before, it can be a really painful process when you get to that point. Nine times out of ten, probably even more than that, what happens is they go, oh, you know what, you can't have blah, blah, blah word on here. Yeah. And so we go back and we think of a new word to put on there or whatever, or, or um, the, this is, you know, this implies that it's, that, it's, that it's good for your health. We can't have that on there. So we, you know, we think of the things that, that can change or, or you know, it's, it's usually small stuff. Um, and we know that, and a lot of times now I can just say going in, hey, this is this might be a hiccup, mm-hmm. just so you're aware. And um, and if it's a hiccup, we deal with it at yeah. that point. And if it's not, well, hallelujah, we did it through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might not work the next time. Never, and, never but, but once you get a kickback and you put it back into process, it's, it, it, it goes right back into the place where it left off. So they don't have to start all over again. So if it's 30 days for COLA approval, it's not 30 days after we get a kickback. It's like a day or two. Nice. So, but yeah, if, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, um, I, I know with me, the first few labels I sent in, um, uh, Al over at, at Project V, he was, he was like, oh, we can't do that. And I had like, I had the stack of, you know, like the 20 pages or whatever of, of, uh, of rules. And he'd already dealt with them. Yeah, I've already got them. I've got them on my desk. I was looking through them, but he's done it enough that he Mm -hmm. knew. And now, you know, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, it's probably not going to work what you want, but we can try it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I would say that's, you know, that's what helps me. Um, Yeah, over somebody that hasn't, hasn't had that experience before. When you're approaching um, a distillery and, and you're trying to get an idea of what they want, um, how do you seem to time and again give them exactly what they're, they're looking for yeah. and what their product is? Well, it, and it's interesting because um, a lot of times what people want isn't what they need. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
they'll go into it with sort of this preconceived notion, but but in reality, what they need is is maybe something a little different than they're expecting. Um, and and so we sit down, we, we just ask questions. Um, I'll just ask a lot of questions. I'll take some notes. Um, I find out who their target market is. I find out who they want to sell to. I find out what their personality is because that that needs to be in it too. Um, and, and we just we just ask lots of questions about about who they are and where they want to be in five years, where they want to be in ten years, and we start designing for that. And a lot of times, what what comes out of that is something that is different than they expected, but something that they really um, that they love because. It's not about it's not about making a pretty picture. It's about making them money, really. Uh, I want it to be beautiful. I want it to be amazing. I want people to look at it and be like, "Oh, it's gorgeous." But ultimately, I want people to I want people to buy it. And if they're not, if somebody isn't buying my client's product, then I've failed in some sort of way. Can I give you a short anecdotal Absolutely. story? Um, and so I'm going to probably hearken a lot back to, to Project V because I learned a lot from them. And this was, I think, this was a success story. Usually I learn a lot more by failing. Um, but this was a success story that I really took away from because I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. That's but funny. Yeah, but they had, <laughs> this, they had this chai vodka. And it was, people loved it. It was, it was actually, it's a great in a white Russian. But um, you know, I sat down with them. I was like, who's buying this stuff? They had, they'd had it for a long time. Said, you know, it looks too much like the regular vodka label, but it's $20 more a bottle. And people are like, why am I spending $20 more a bottle for this brown vodka? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know anything about. And so he goes, it just needs to look really different. And we just sat down and I was like, who's buying this stuff? And he said, yeah, I would say it's probably 80% women. Mm -hmm. And he goes, but I, and he goes, and and a lot of restaurants, Mm -hmm. a lot of bartenders like to make signature drinks with it. So it's got to be seen from a long way away. Um, but, you know, I don't want it to be overly feminine, but, you know, this is buying it. And so I went home and, and I started researching chai and where it came from. And, you know, okay, it comes from, I, I think it came from like India or Middle East or, or somewhere, somewhere over there. And, and, and I started researching, it was, it, it was East Indian art, which is way, like you've seen my stuff, it's way, <laughs> way not what I normally do. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I did like a lot of like this black background with like like bright orange lettering and this really, really like sort of flamboyant folk art, like East Indian folk art. I sent it to Al and I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, I don't know about this. And I was like, man, I don't either. But it, I showed it to, I showed it to some people that might be in your target market and man, they just really liked it a lot. Like they're like, oh, I'd buy that in a second. And like people I really trust, not like people who like fluff me up, but yeah. like, and he's like, and so he showed it to Mo, who was his wife, who was the head distiller. She, um, and she like, she loved, she just loved it. Showed it to his daughter, she just loved it. And he comes back and he's like, I'm not 100% sold, but we're gonna do it, we're gonna try it. I was like, I think, I think it's the one, I think it's it. I said, I'm, I'm, I don't even really, like, I like it. I think it's, it's cool, but it's not something I would really normally do or even like, you know, like push out there, but I think this is what you need. They had a 20% increase in their tasting room uh, in the first three weeks that they released that label. That's awesome. 20% increase. You told me that. I was like, what? Did that actually work? <laughs> and so... <laughs> but I mean, how, how, I mean, how reassuring is that when you're like, okay, this is my instinct and it's not even... 
you know your typical thing but you're like wow this is mm-hmm. this is what what did it and it's it's fun to see that it actually yeah. actually worked yeah and you and, and you know sticking with your instinct on that that's that's cool yeah well and that's and, and that comes into play with you know because I do a lot of distilleries and then I do a lot of uh, breweries mm-hmm. and they're very different artistically and the price yeah. points are really different mm-hmm. so you're looking at like a $45 bottle of spirits versus an $8 bottle of beer mm-hmm. um, first of all what what you can do with paper and paper style bossing and stuff you just can't do all, all that stuff on an $8 bottle of beer um, and it's, a, it's usually a little bit more playful um, I'm working on some stuff right now that's it's sort of high end, like eighteen to twenty dollar bottles of beer, like barrel aged stuff. So we're doing really high end stuff with that. We want we don't want to do something playful with that, like because yeah. people people want to make sure that they're getting the, again the best value. Mm-hmm. But with beer, you can do something a little bit more playful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and and so again, your market, you know, your average guy just going in there and buying some IPA might be looking for something a lot different than somebody that's going in there and trying to find a London dry gin. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> well, you kind of answered this in some ways, but I'll throw it out there. What, what is it that, you know, with working on all these different products, how is it you keep it fresh? How is it you keep it... Um, how do you keep the bread fresh? Yeah, how do you, how do you keep, keep the fresh in the bread? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping the fresh in the bread. Yeah, well, multiple ways. One, um, one I love looking at designs, and I, and I do a lot of throwback, like vintage stuff. Um, and I, I don't like, I don't necessarily like trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I like classic. Classic will always be classic, right? Yeah. It never goes out of fashion. People can say, "Well, that's old fashioned." But people always fall back on the classic. And so I love looking at Victorian design. I love looking at um, just any, even stuff from the 50s, like old uh, feed signs uh-huh. and old, old like uh, pins, like political pins. Just looking oh, at the way things are fit together, old signs. Um, always looking at like, like the typography, um, especially like hand painted. If I see a hand-painted sign and I can touch it, I'll be looking at that hand-painted <laughs> sign for 10 minutes while my kids are, are and my wife are like in the background like oh, yelling God. for me forever. Yeah, he's nerding out again. Yeah, he's like nerding out like, look at this, look at this. Like filigrees, something that's got like a custom filigree on it, I'm like, I never leave. Like I'm well, just looking at this stuff <laughs> and uh, and I nerd out on it. Like I, if I'm in a grocery store I've never been in before, or probably a grocery store I've been in a hundred times, I'm always in the liquor aisle, like looking at oh, yeah. at labels. And so I would say that I would say that I stay fresh by always always trying to observe what's going on, past and present. Yeah. Um, I stay fresh by sketching. That's what I was gonna. Do you have like a sketchbook? You're just yeah. like, oh, I gotta just do this. Yeah, I've always got like I've got my sketch pad in, in my bag right now. Yeah. Um, I was, um, you know, I'm heading down to Seattle tomorrow. I'm going to be passenger, and I've got some some small tweaks that I have to do on a project that I'm working on right now. That that he's like, I I, I want something to sort of fill some of that negative space. Um, so I'm going to just be 
like sketching filigrees and swirls and stuff mm-hmm. all the way down, just like, oh, where's this gonna take me? And and it's you just sort of vomit your mind out uh-huh. in that moment, right? Yeah. Like you're just getting like all the stream, waste of, stream out. of consciousness, yeah, like, you're getting all the waste <laughs> out, yeah. and and yeah. and hoping that hoping at the end you feel better. <laughs> And, and then on the same point, like I rage against bad design. Like I see something bad, I'm like, how the hell did that get out there? Like, what? Yeah, why is papyrus still used? Why are people still like? Unless you're unless you're doing granite countertops or you're a small like costume jewelry place in a in a resort town, don't use papyrus. <laughs> and even then, don't use papyrus. But those are the ones where I'm like, oh, I guess I guess I understand. Yeah. Every granite countertop place they does like, that. They look like a real granite. Place. Yeah, yeah. The papyrus or Comic Sans. Like, are you a fourth grade teacher? <laughs> like, don't do that. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now you're gonna get me to like, ra- like font rage. <laughs> Turn into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Except for a little less scary, it's yeah, like yeah, a design version. At all. Yeah, yeah. All, I, yeah, all I do is delete, <laughs> delete the font, delete font, change it, just like, just like highlight it and change it with my with my font manager. <laughs> I mean, cause, so you go through, you, you know, we've always said, already said breweries, distilleries, uh, yeah. cigar, uh, cigar roller, yeah, San Juan cigars, San Juan cigars. Yeah. So you've got some really cool stuff. What's something yeah. that you're just like, oh, I wish I could, or someday? <laughs> uh, international. Yeah. Um, I want to do, I do um, something that is high-end. I, and I, like, I'm working on high, like, local high-end, but like, I want to work on something that's been around for a few, for a few hundred years. Yeah. Like, booze has been around for a long time. I want to work on something that's been around for a few hundred years. Um, you know, anytime somebody goes, we trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's always like gold. <laughs> um, take it you know, whenever you're not micromanaged. But yeah. but yeah, like to to actually take something and be like, we've been around for a long time. We trust you with that. Um, yeah, I may I may be a few years out on that. Maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. But um, but realistically, it's something something that's been established. And is on, on like, like a name, is something that I would love to work on, but because there's a high level of fear. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, there's a high level. Better of, not screw this up. Yeah, yeah, and and like the challenge of it, that'd be awesome. Um, but I don't know that it's it's that much different than what I'm doing now. I mean, just yeah. honestly, I think you just have a few more. You just have the ability to do a little bit more. You have more money to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, now when I'll do something, I'm like, well, I don't know if my client can afford this, mm-hmm. but we'll throw it out there. I want to be able to, like, having carte blanche to go big. To, yeah, to <laughs> go big or go home would be awesome. But, but man, doing stuff for, for Temple, doing the Chapter 1 stuff was, was so much fun. They were so gracious. They're like the most gracious people in the world. Um, I wish them all success. Plus, their gin is freaking fantastic. Yes. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculously good. Yeah. Like holy s good. You know, like <laughs> like I actually had a friend say that when I gave him a taste of it, and he was like, well, "We were blown away just because we're not we're really not one of yeah. the high drinkers." Yeah, no, that, that was something yeah, we talked boom. about. Yeah. 
my mom's not a gin drinker and she was like we need to get a bottle of this she'd like drink half my bottle sorry mom (laughs) my mom's not a drunk (laughs) (laughs) just putting that out there (laughs) no my mom's not a drunk Uh, but she just the gin she liked the gin and tonics my mom and dad and my sister were out and we killed like half the bottle just drinking gin and tonics in the evening yeah um, because they're so easy to drink. Yeah, yeah um, but and so they're they're fantastic people. It's uh, it's a it's a spirit I can really get behind. And um, and they again, it was it was one of those like carte blanche sort of things. Like you're the designer, we trust you. Yeah. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, working on some some cool stuff with Skip Rock right now. Cool. Um, that that will be coming out um, hopefully here in the next couple of months. Um, working on some really cool stuff with Nightside. Um, cool. And sort of redirecting their their brand direction, and um, and hearing really great things from people, and and so whenever I have that opportunity, somebody goes, "I trust you with this." Um, it's a lot more fun. It takes a lot of. It actually takes some of the pressure off mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I'm trying to please my client as much as I'm trying to get them what they need. Mm-hmm. They can spend their energy making really good booze, and I can spend my energy making their really good booze look really good yeah. um, to the general population or to whoever market they're selling to. I mean, you guys focusing on what you're good at. Right, yeah. right. Like, so yeah. they, they really shouldn't have to worry about what the label looks like No, that much. No, no. Like, in the end, I hope my clients can trust. And, and it, so it was a little bit of a Russian roulette. I understand that. Like, they're paying me to make them money. Like, yeah. that's a little scary. But yeah. as I'm going on... They also see a track record with you. Yeah, there's a track you, you've record. You've been with some brands that, that, are, that are either established or getting established. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's no small task to have Ryan from Skip Rock trust you with a label. Right, right. Because he you makes know, fantastic you know, booze. He, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, his credibility is on the line. Mm-hmm. But we have somebody like that who trusts you. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Or even somebody like um, like Ron at Skookum Brewing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the North End gets a little bit ignored, but he he's one of the best brewers in the state. He's at, at absolutely one of my probably top five brewers altogether. Yeah. And for him to say, hey, uh, we'll sit down. And, and he usually has sort of an idea of what he wants, but for him to sit down and be like, hey, I trust you. On these labels and to see like to see his stuff and, and his stuff is selling let's be honest his stuff is selling because he's a great brewer but it's selling in other places amber has a hot friend amber does have hot friend <laughs> and and murder of crows i mean murder of crows sold out in their in their brewery in less than a week wow. when they bottled it in four packs um, which is that's a great beer too and uh and, and or people like populix populix brewing down in ballard you know they're um, they're gonna be bottling. We did their their design like a year ago actually, and they're just bottling now. But they're super well respected. There's a tiny little nano brewery, but they're they're highly respected in the Ballard brew culture. And for them to say, this is this is our branding. We want you to do our pack our package design. Are you up to it? Yeah, I'm up to it. And for them to to like first shot over, it'd be like that's it. That's the one. <laughs> right on. Is is rad. You know. <laughs> no kidding. Very cool. So, change the topic slightly. Okay. <clears throat> if you could have dinner with any other creative, alive or dead, who and why? Ooh. <laughs> any other creative, alive or dead, who and why? That was that's a tough question. I would say. 
I mean, if you need to make a list, that'd be fine too. <laughs> I would, I would say it, it, it would probably, probably be Salvador Dali. His stuff looks like really out out there, but there's so much stuff hidden in there. He didn't do anything without a reason for doing it, and and that's really important to me. It's important in my art. It's important in my design. It's important to know that if I'm putting something somewhere, it's there for a reason. And it might be there to balance it out. It might be there to, uh, it might be there to, to draw your eye to another spot. But there's always something there for a reason. And his paintings are like that. You'll see, you'll see like weird innuendos in there. If you look really, really close, you'll see yeah. stuff where you're like, what the? They'll look random to somebody who doesn't know what they're looking. Oh, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. I've got it. I've got a, a, a print of a Salvador Dali painting called Swans Reflecting Elephants in my in my office, and it's. Um, it's swans, and then they're you know they're all sitting on, on water, and there's trees behind them, and they're literally reflecting elephants, and yeah. and you can kind of see that. But then there's like weird sexual innuendos in the background, so it's weird. Like when my daughter's looking at it because she's four, uh-huh. and I'll be like, oh, you see the swans, you see the, the elephants, but we leave away the cloud that sort of re- resembles a masturbating hand. Um, <laughs> but, he, but he just had, and he was just weird. He just did yeah. weird stuff. And so you can be like, this guy's flamboyant and strange, but he had a reason for it. Yeah. And I, so I think it'd be fun to just sort of like sit there and just listen to him. Very cool. So tell us about where we're at. Uh, we are in the, uh, the bare bones of the Center Public House. It's Washington State's first nonprofit public house. Um, first nonprofit pub. There's one or two that exist already in the world. One's in Oregon. It's called the Oregon Public House. The way it works is, you have it's going to be a family-friendly pub with all Washington beer. We're talking about doing having a chef and having like actually high-end food, like good food, um, as much local as possible. Um, and you come in, you order your your food. Um, you get done, you get your bill. And then you go to pay your bill, and there'll be another menu on the table, and that menu will have between four and six different nonprofits, and you get to choose where your money goes to. So at the end of the month, we look at what we what our profits are, and we take those profits and we figure out the percentage of what people chose, and we spread them out to the other to the nonprofits. So it'll be a mix of like local to international nonprofits. Cool. Um, and, and in that too, like. How we take care of our employees is going to be really important. Um, we're really, really focused on on making sure that our employees are going to be paid well. Are going to be you know we're looking into the options of different kinds of benefits mm-hmm. uh, because that's just not something that happens in the restaurant industry. One of the things that we want to do too is set up a fund uh, for the restaurant industry because they tend to be underemployed and underinsured. And so that you know, we're hoping within the first six months to set up that fund so people can actually give to that fund as well. Or maybe you know, so-and-so works at whatever bar at the night shift and she's a single mom and her kid you know, ended up in the hospital with tonsillitis and she had to miss work for a few days. Maybe we can go with her to Hagen and, and buy her some groceries. I mean, those are, they're, they're big dreams, but I think that uh, they're not even dreams. Like they're, they're vision now, and there's some legs behind it. Yeah. And, uh, and we want to we want to open this place up debt free. Um, that's a big jump right there. You don't hear that. No, <laughs> and, and the reason that we want to do that is because we don't want to end up paying banks and interest at the end. We want to be at the end of this thing, handing money over to nonprofits. 
our tagline is drink philanthropically. I love that. <laughs> and uh, so the shirts say that on there. You become a founder, you get a t-shirt automatically. And so we do, we have a founders club, which is how individuals can get involved. You get a beer a month and it's $500. Um, you get a beer a week for $1,500. And you get a beer a day for $2,500. And so it's like, nice. like they're really, really good deals. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a lot of money up front. And then you think about how much beer costs. If I came in five days a week, that goes by pretty quick. If you're interested in learning more about the Center Public House, go to centerpublichouse.com. And if you're interested in seeing some of Scott's design work, go to freshbreaddesign.com. And don't forget to check out our website, localstill.com, for reviews of local micro distillery products. Mm-hmm.